0: If you would please turn in your Bibles to the book of Revelation. The book of Revelation. It's our privilege to introduce this book really this week. We kind of introduced it last week a little bit, but really that was the author. We want to uh, look at the first three verses this week. Revelation chapter 1. Revelation chapter 1. Verse 1. The revelation of Jesus Christ which God gave him. To show to his bondservants the things which must soon take place. And he sent and communicated it by his angel to his bondservant John. Who testified to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ. Even to all that he saw. Blessed is he who reads. And those who hear the words of the prophecy and heed the things which are written in it, for the time is near. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you so much for this this privilege, this privilege of being together as believers, the unity that we have in our fellowship because of Jesus Christ and the common bond that we have there. Lord, it is a is a blessing. It's a blessing to be a part of a church family. What a joy. And Lord, as we come together looking at this passage from Revelation, I pray that this would be an encouragement to us. I pray that it would be informative of what the passage says, what you are communicating to your church. And I pray that it would be applied. I pray that we would take it to heart and and lived out in our life this week. Lord, help us to meditate on how best to apply these things. If it just needs to change our thinking, Lord, I pray it would do that. Change the way we we think, the way we see others, the way we see You, the way we see ministry, the way we see the church. Lord, help our minds to be transformed by Your Word today. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we have been just introducing this book of Revelation. And it's entitled, The Revelation to John. That's what my title says on the, on the front. And you're familiar with at least a little bit of the book of Revelation. And the word revelation in the Greek means apocalypsis. Apocalypsis. Now, we are familiar with that term a little bit because it's being used a lot today. The apocalypse and we normally associate with the apocalypse we associate these fireball meteorites falling to the earth and explosions and earthquakes and epic battles and and death massive death and and the end of time that's what we think of but really the the word revelation or the apocalypse means it, it just apocalypse there's an a at the at, added at the end but apocalypse means to cover or to conceal something or, or to, uh, to kind of hide it. But when you put the a in front of it in the uh, Greek alphabet, you add that a, that alpha and it, it makes it a negative. So it's essentially uncovering or unconcealing something and we would and it's rightfully translated to reveal it's to reveal. Now, if you were going to the reveal that you know you, you're making this big announcement to everybody that you're going to have this baby, that would be a, a reveal. Or maybe you're going to announce what sex your baby is, male or female. That would be a big reveal. Sometimes they have big parties and and they do. They're getting real clever. Back in the day, you were it was revealed when you were there and you saw it. Surprise! This is a boy. This is a girl. And now it's. You know ahead of time. And you have these big reveals. Now that's pretty cool, but this is a big reveal. This is the book of Revelation. It is uncovering what was been concealed. What God has kept secret, if you will. It is now it is now being revealed. And John's written it down for us. And these first three verses here act as an introduction. And any good introduction is going to steer the mind of the reader the path of where the author wants to go. And that's exactly what John is doing. He's, he's giving us the, the main topic. And he gives us the, the title. He gives us the method of delivery, how he received this message and how he is passing it on. And he gives us a, a purpose, a purpose to this. And those are the three things that I want, just to, want us to look at today. First of all, the title. The title of the book. It is the revelation of jesus christ it could better be translated well let's look the revelation and we just want to notice that is singular man i can see i can see you might not be able to see me or maybe it takes care of the glare maybe or something like that but that's kind of nice but it's revelation singular this is a singular revelation of Jesus Christ. And the of there is not just, it's not from Jesus Christ. We Some translates it like that. It can be translated that way. But it's best translated in this context to be about Jesus Christ. Really, this is a revelation about Jesus Christ. He is on display. He is being revealed. He is being revealed. All His excellence, His state of glory that He is in now. Now, I want you to remember that Paul... Now, we we tend to think of Jesus here on this earth and what He was like as a man in His human form. But Paul reminds us in Ephesians chapter 1 that Christ, when He rose from the dead... Well, let me just read it. verse. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 20 says, which he brought about in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand uh, in the heavenly places. And and so Paul is letting us know this is where Christ is now. He He has been raised, he has been exalted, and he is now seated at the right hand of God. And he says, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and every name that is named, not only In this age, but also in the one to come. And He's put everything in subjection under His feet and given Him the name, or given Him head over all things to the church, which is His body. The fullness of Him who fills all in all. Christ in all His glory. He is not just in His human form here on this earth anymore. He is exalted. He is at the right hand of God. And John is revealing that to us. He he has written this down to us. And it's a revelation of Jesus Christ. Now his first revelation. The gospels present him in in his human state. He was crucified. He was humiliated by men. Men pounded nails into his hands and his feet. And hung him on a cross. And they humiliated him. But now. Now we reveal. Now we see Him in all of His glory. He is the one that's on top. He is the one that's on top. Paul mentions it, but John, John, he saw it. He saw it. So what we see then throughout this book, really, uh, we see Christ. We see Christ in chapters 2 and chapter 3. Uh, he's the, the one that, that walks among the churches In chapter 4, He's the one that is exalted. In chapter 5, He is the one that opens the book. In chapter 6, He is the one who breaks the seal. Chapter 7 and 8, and really throughout the rest of the book, He is the Lamb. And He is also the Lion. And we see snapshots, scene after scene, that John wants us to see of Christ in His glory. And what is He doing next? Look, He did this and He did that. And it's all in Christ's glory, His glory and His power. Now listen, folks, the church needs to see Christ in that manner. That's the Christ we need to see. That's the Christ we need to see in all of His glory. He was man, but now He is in His glorified state. He is over everything. He is the authority. I want you to see this, and what difference, you may ask, what difference does it make... Look down in verse 17. He says this, this is John now, when I saw him, that's Christ, this is John seeing Christ, when I saw him, I fell at his feet like a dead man. I was scared, speechless, and he fell down at his feet as a dead man. You think, oh, John, now this is your best friend, Jesus, you know? You should run up and, and hug him. But this isn't the casual Jesus, is it? You should go up and, and ask Him, Hey, now can I sit on your right hand? <laughs> Remember, that was the question. That was the question right before you left. Oh, is it time now? Can I sit on your right hand? Or, or dance before Him? That's that song. I like that song, but that wasn't appropriate. What He did is He fell at Jesus' feet. That makes all the difference in the world. When you see Christ in all of His glory, there's a reverence there that the church needs to have today. This is not the Christ, the buddy, the friend. He is that. Don't get me wrong. But we need to see Christ in all of His glory. There has to be a respect there that is, I believe is missing from the church. This is John's best friend. And yet, he finds himself flat on his face before, in, in his, on his feet. At his feet. Rightfully so. Rightfully so. What do, uh, what do you think? What do I think? When you think of Christ, when you think of Christ, is it, is it just your, your casual friend, your buddy? Just my palin' around, buddy, this is Christ. Or or do you still see Him on the cross? Is He the dead Christ? He's still on the cross? Or is He just this good man and He's feeding the, the poor? Or is He exalted? And do you see Him, as, as Paul said, that at some point every knee will bow down, every tongue will confess that He is Lord. He is Lord. We need to see Him. The church needs to see Him in all of His glory. That's that's the revelation of Jesus Christ. That is the title here. And He is placed... He is in His rightful place in all of His glory. I believe sometimes, just again by way of application, I believe sometimes we bring Christ down. And when we bring Christ down to just a mere man... Just so casually, he's just my best friend, or just a just an acquaintance kind of thing. We kind of elevate self. That is not uh, not the right picture. The picture that the church needs to have is a high view of Christ. High view of Christ, and that's what that's where John starts. That's where the first chapter. So. The title, Revelation of Jesus Christ. This is a revelation about Jesus Christ. Every snapshot has him somewhere in it. And he is in his glory. And he is in his power. Number two, the method. The method of the revelation, of this revelation. And John gives this to us. This is pretty neat. Because we don't see this. Paul doesn't go into these kinds of details. But John did. And I believe he did so because it was a little unique he says this, he says, which God, this is a revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him. Now this is God, the Father, gave who? Gave Christ. He gave it to Christ to show to his bondservants. That would be us, everyone who is following Christ. The, the word literally means slave, not just a, a servant, but a slave. The things which he gave it to Christ to show to his bondservants, the things which must soon take place. This is futuristic, this is prophecy things that will must take place. This is Christ in all of his glory and and what will happen and what Christ is going to do in his glory. And he, that's Christ, sent and communicated it to by by his angel to his bondservant, again slave, John so by way of this angel, Jesus Christ communicates it to his servant John. John was a reliable servant. And John, verse 2, who testified to the word of God, to the testimony of Jesus Christ, even to all that he saw. He saw it. Now let's, let's go back. Let's go back. That's a, big, that's a big chunk there. The source is God. It originated from God. This revelation is from God. It's about Jesus Christ and it's to Jesus Christ. That's interesting, isn't it? To Jesus Christ. Why would he say that? It's a little confusing. Well, if you remember back, Jesus had humbled himself. He he took on the form of a servant and he left all of these things to his father and he submitted himself to his father's will, his father's timetable. And even while Jesus was here on earth... In Mark chapter thirteen, I'll just remind you of this verse. Mark thirteen, I believe it's chapter thirteen twenty three. He said, uh, he said this, but of that day or hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but the Father alone. The Father has that information. And, and the Son is submitting to His Father's timetable, submitting to His Father's will on this. And so it's a revelation uh, to Jesus Christ as well. Here's what you're going to be doing in all of your glory. Does He get into the specific dates? No, not yet. Not yet. This is a snapshot. This is about Christ But it's about Christ performing things, doing things in the future. And the method was, it starts from God, was given to Christ to show to His bondservants. It was through the angel to the servant John and then to us. If you are a bondservant of Jesus Christ, this message is to you. It is from God to to His church, to you, to you. And these are things that John saw. Now that's important. That's important because here's what you have. You have this angel that God sent to communicate these things to John. And he, this angel took John around. I want you to see this. I want you to see that. I want you to see all these snapshots. Look at verse uh, well, verse 17. He says, I saw him. Provided by the angel. The angel exposed this. The angel let him see these things. Chapter 4. I looked and beheld the door was standing open. Chapter 4, verse 1. Chapter 5, I saw in His right hand. Chapter 6, I saw when the Lamb. Chapter 7, I saw four angels. It's what John actually saw. That makes him a credible witness. He saw it. He saw it. It's true. It's real. He saw it. And that's important. That's important because he's talking about the source here. This is credible. It came from God and I saw it with my own eyes, John says. So this message is true because of the source. Because of the source. Now think about that a little bit. God is the source. He has the answers. Only He knows the future, right? We don't know. That has to come from God. He is at the center of the universe, in the passage that we read earlier, Tim read for us in Daniel chapter two, he uh, let the name of God be blessed. He is God. Let his name be blessed. He who changes the times and the epochs, that David or Daniel says. And he removes kings. Nebuchadnezzar goes on and throughout that chapter and he says this. Surely, he's talking to David, surely your God is a God of gods and Lord of kings. He is to be exalted. He is to be exalted. God is the one who is in control of the direction of mankind. He is, this is his creation, his universe. He will tell when this time runs out. He will tell when we will not have enough oxygen on this earth. Or we will not have enough food on this earth to sustain man. That is in His power. That is in His control. He's the one, he's the one that determines the end. Because He's the only one that knows with accuracy. He knows this. He knows this. He knows the end from the beginning. And He can be relied upon. He is the one that's going to tell us the truth. Now listen, we have scientists today. Man, they've got predictions. So many years, we we only have so much water here that that we're going to freeze to death or we're going to burn up. There's all kinds of predictions on how this thing is going to end and and people get panicky and it creates panic. It just shows some people and even sometimes Christians are not really trusting in the sovereignty of God. Is God really God? Is God really God? Is He the one that's in control of these things? No. Oh, yes. He is. It's just a matter. Are we going to trust Him? Or are we going to trust everybody else? Let me, let me give you another point of application. This is a message from God and that makes it rare. Messages from God don't just happen. Now today it seems like everybody's heard, had a word from God and God told me this and God told me that and they all have their own revelation. This is a revelation from God. This is unique. This is u- rare. When God speaks, it is sober. It is a sober thing when God speaks. It's not just another opinion. This is truth. This is truth. This is not a scare tactic to to keep his people in line. This is what is going to happen. And it exalts Christ. This is a unique book. A unique book. So, how do we approach this? Are we going to trust this book? we going to trust what it says, or are we going to trust the scientists of our day? We're going to trust uh, uh, every other opinion, and everybody has an opinion. As every once in a while, I get this idea I'm going to watch the History Channel. I don't know why. But, okay, so I get on the History Channel, and let me tell you, it's more about the ancient aliens who helped us start this race. I don't even, where do they come up with this stuff? But that's exactly what it is. And I'm thinking, this is history? Listen, if you want to buy into that, you're, you're missing out on opportunities to trust God. God in His sovereignty. To, uh, to realize that God is in control of these things. Listen, man is not up to his own destiny. He can't just do whatever he wants. He is still under God's control. Under God's control. Let's move on. We've seen the title. We've seen the method. This is from God to us, to you. Remember that? It's to you. It's to you if you are a servant of God, if you're a follower of Christ. This is to you. This is for you. And God thought it important enough that you need to know this. And, and He showed it to Christ who gave it to John and gave it to us. It's an accurate picture. Number three. Number three, here's a purpose. It's not not the only purpose, but here's a purpose of the book. And that is to be preached. To be preached to Christ's servants and obeyed. Look at verse 3. Verse 3. Blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of the prophecy and heed the things which are written in it, for the time is near. It says, blessed. This is, this is a, a blessing on the, the reader. This is a blessing on those who hear. Now, this isn't just a, you know, a play on words or anything here. He is describing a, a pattern that was really established in the Old Testament. The scribe would get up with a scroll and he would open that scroll and he would read not everybody had scrolls. I mean, they, they couldn't afford those things. And, and so one person, or they would stay in the tabernacle and they would pull this scroll and he would read it. And what would the other people do? They would listen. They would listen attentively. They would listen carefully. But they would listen. So blessed are those who read and those who hear. And it's a, a pattern that was established in the Old Testament. It's a pattern that the New Testament early church adopted. and said that's, that's the right method. It's it's to be read. It's to be heard. He's talking about preaching here. But he doesn't stop there, the words of the prophecy, and heed it. This has to be heeded. This has to be obeyed. This has to be applied to our life. How do you apply the book of Revelation? And it hasn't happened. But it needs to be applied. There's things in this book that you need, that God says, my church, that Christ says, my church needs this. And it needs to be applied and much of it is just to our thinking. If we know how it ends, then we, we will uh, adjust our course and say, yeah, okay, I understand that. I'm trusting in God's sovereignty. And I see how it's going to end. And so I'm it's, it's going to I'm gonna make small adjustments as I go along the way in my thinking. All right? But it has, to be, uh, it has to be implemented into our minds and the way we think, implemented into uh, our lives and the way we act and the way we do things. This is preaching, and it has to be heated. This is not just information about the future. This is not just a a, a warming, uh, you know. This is not just to warm the cockles of your heart. Say, oh well, God wins in the end. Boy, that's great, and we just sing Kumbaya and go home. It is to be applied. This is not for entertainment. This is to be obeyed. It's to be obeyed, and there's a blessing. Now, let me just say, when we read this, so verse three. We think, ah, it's an enticement. John's just wanting to get us to read. He throws up this blessing on here. And that's not it at all. That's the way we see things in our commercial world that we have. Everything is a commercial. Everybody's appealing to us in some way and enticing us to do what they, what, uh, they want us to do. This is not an enticement. These people would be eager to hear a message from John. Remember John on the island of Patmos? He sends this letter by way of ship to uh, Ephesus, and it starts right there and it goes through the mail carrier or the mail route. We talked about that last week. They would have been eager to hear any letter from John. Not just John, but this is from God. They would have been lined up. Let me hear. What did it say? What is He saying? They would have been eager to hear this. This would have been like the, the new iPhone coming out. And everybody would be lined up, you know, waiting. What is it like? I already have an iPhone, but I like the new one. I don't care what it is. I'm going to get the new one. They're going to be lined up. And, and it would be just like this. It will be John coming out to the iPhone store. And he says, it's worth it. It's good. This is great. This is a blessing. This is what we expected. This is, this will really encourage you guys. It's not, a, it's not some enticement to get you to read the book. You, there, the expectation is that you want to read the book. And this is just a thumbs up. He said, guys, this is going to be a blessing to you. This is going to be an encouragement. What was the circumstances of the people that were receiving this? There's persecution. There's persecution going on. They hadn't seen John. John had been carted away and, and sent to the island of Patmos. And now he has this revelation. It's not just a letter from John. This is from God. And he says, this is good. This is a blessing to you. This is a blessing to you. People would be lined up. People would be eager to read this eager to read this. It's not enough to just read it, though. It's not enough to just hear it. It has to be obeyed. has to be applied. The church needs this today. The church needs the book of Revelation. Um, the church needs to see Christ in His exalted state and, and God in, in His elevated position. It needs to be preached and so what we're going to do is go through this book slowly, expositorily. We're going to look at every part of this, every phrase, every, every bit of it to understand expositional preaching. I came across this quote from uh, David Helm. He said this, Expository preaching brings out what the Spirit put in and doesn't put into the text what the preacher thinks might be there. So we're going to be very careful. Because here's what we tend to do. We've got our own presuppositions. We've got our own ideas. And we read this book and we, we've got it figured out. And we, we read our ideas into this text. We don't want to do that. This is a word from God. We want to hear what God says. What the Holy Spirit has put into this word. And we want to read this. And we want to listen to this carefully. And then we want to live it out. We want to obey it because it's from God. Because of the source. Because of the source. Let me ask you, will you commit yourself? Will you commit yourself to to reading this book? To listening to this book, to being here Sunday after Sunday, hearing this book. And let me tell you, this will change your image of God. This will change your image of Christ. Christ in his exalted state. I'm hoping that it will bring a, a respect. And a reverence back to the church that I believe that we've lost. Well, this book is reveals Christ in all of his glory. It comes to us, his slaves, from God, a God who knows. A God who knows the end from the beginning. It is to be read, it is to be heard, it is to be understood and obeyed, applied to our lives. And then it will be a blessing. It will be a blessing. I guarantee. If we come with this, to this book with hungry hearts, with eager hearts, what does God say about the end? Listen, folks, if, if we need to know these things. If we live in a world right now, it's kind of scary. We don't know what's going to happen. We don't know what's going to happen. But we know God. And we have to have a high view of God. So that we can trust Him when when chaos just breaks out, folks. We need to trust Him. We need to trust His sovereignty. We need to trust Christ, the head of the church. They know what they're doing. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, I thank You for this word. Lord, what a joy to to read these things and to understand. Lord, how important this book must be if God, if you took the time to reveal it to Christ, Christ to send it to the angel, to John to experience and see all of these things. How important this must be for your church. Lord, help us to take it to heart. Help us to... Learn from it. Help our lives to be changed. Our thinking to be changed. Help us to see you in all of your glory. See Christ with the authority that is rightfully due him. Lord, may may our estimation of Christ, may our worship be enhanced because of this book. And Lord, we, we just thank you. We thank you. It is a privilege. It is a, it is a, a precious gift from you to be able to read and, and hear this book. And the responsibility is ours as well to obey it. And Lord, thank you for the blessing that comes along with it. It's a joy. It's our joy. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. going to ask you to stand. <clears throat> These are spiritual matters. Maybe this doesn't mean anything to you. Maybe you haven't put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And maybe you really don't care about Scripture. Well, that's the first start. That's the place to start. You have to put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. You have to repent from your sin, turn from your sin, and turn to Christ. You need to see Him. You need to see Him as Savior and as Lord. That's the place to start. And then, as Christians, just uh, as we commit ourselves to, to reading and understanding this book, I, I, I pray that it would be a joy to you. If we can help you in any way, we'd love to be able to do that. I'm here throughout the week. You can stop by. If you see my truck, please stop. Um, or today, you can see me uh, anytime uh, today as well. Or give me a call. We'd love to be able to help you, answer any of your questions, uh, um, give you some direction if you need, need that. The elders would be too him and Dave and and now LA. What a joy it is to have him on board. And they would love to be able to help you. Um, This is why we're here. And uh, love to be able to shepherd you. Um, Thank you for your attentiveness, for your eagerness to hear God's word. I I pray that's a blessing as we move through this series. Father, we, we thank you for a good day. Lord, it's so good to see your people coming together. Um, thank you for your grace. Thank you for your precious word. I pray, Lord, that you would bless our week. May we honor and glorify you with everything that we say, everything that we do, even the thoughts in our minds. May they be glorifying to you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.